yeah, 20 minutes, no big deal. And at the end of 20 minutes, if you still haven't gotten stuff done, you're allowed to like schluff off. I don't know if that's a word. Schluff off. Yeah, Yeah, you're allowed to just say, I'm out of here. I'm done. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 230. When it was built in 1901, Philadelphia's City Hall was the world's tallest inhabitable building. And to this day, it's still the largest municipal building in the country. And I must say, it's awfully pretty. We have been traveling, living, and working all around the world for almost four years now. And there are a lot of things I love about my Tortuga backpack, which is the backpack that has been with me for the last two and a half years. But the one feature that I specifically like for traveling, living, and working anywhere in the world is the fact that the Tortuga backpack and the Tortuga Air both have dedicated laptop sleeves. So they have a little bit of padding in them that's going to keep your laptop safe. And they're also super easy to unzip and get out without having to go into the main compartment of your backpack, which makes it invaluable for me. A, going through security makes it super easy. But B, whenever I just want to grab my laptop out and do something really quickly, it's really, really helpful. So I love my Tortuga backpack for a lot of reasons. But for anyone who's looking to travel with a laptop, this is a feature that not a lot of other travel backpacks have. So if you're looking for what I consider the best travel backpack out there for anyone who wants to travel, live, and work anywhere in the world, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who is slowly breaking down the walls of my dislike for coffee, but in the process is making me sick. My wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, everyone. Well, I feel like that definitely needs an explanation. I mean, okay, so here it is. Travis and I go to lots of coffee shops around the world. And Travis doesn't enjoy it as much as I do because he doesn't really like coffee. So I'm always trying to get him to like coffee. So I bought some dark chocolate covered coffee beans thinking this is like a really special treat for myself and like maybe Travis will like it. And then in turn, you know, he'll start liking coffee just because it's fun and it's like an experience to go to coffee shops. So anyway, I bring home the dark chocolate covered coffee beans and I hardly got to eat any because who should eat them all but Trav. (laughs) I am addicted to these dark chocolate covered coffee beans. And earlier today, I ate too many of them in the morning instead of drinking coffee because I keep trying coffee and not liking it. I ate too many of these dark chocolate covered (laughs) coffee beans and now my stomach hurts. So I don't know. I thought I might be falling down that slippery slope of liking coffee because I like coffee ice cream now. I obviously really like these dark chocolate covered coffee beans. But even to this day, when I see your coffee or whatever you get, a macchiata, latte, cortado, all these crazy names, I'm not exactly sure what they are. 
It looks good. I try it and I still don't like it. Now, when I drink coffee, I like it either. I don't usually like it black, but I like it with just the milk or just cream. So I don't put sugar in it. And that's why Trav always like makes a really bitter face when he drinks my coffee. But maybe if you like dumped sugar and milk in your coffee, then you would like it because it would taste like ice cream. Yeah, And at that point, I probably (laughs) would just eat coffee ice cream. And one of the cool things, the thing we're going to talk about today is the 27 lessons we've learned from four years of traveling, living, and working anywhere in the world. A lot of times that is coffee shops, coffee shops in Bali, coffee shops in Thailand, coffee shops in Prague, coffee shops in blah, 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 blah. You know, we work a lot in coffee shops and uh, sometimes I get hot chocolates. But it's really cool because we've learned a lot of different lessons over the years. We've changed a lot and we've you know, it's just interesting to recap and look back. Now, I will say we are coming up on our four-year, I guess, location-independent anniversary. So technically, I guess this is three years and 11 months. Lessons learned from three years and 11 months. And um, and we've been traveling, living, working all over the world. So some of this is going to be travel advice. Some is lifestyle advice. Some is business advice. Some of it is all-encompassing advice. And it was really fun to make this list. Absolutely. Just to kind of reflect on the last couple of years of, you know, all the things that we've done and then all the things that we've learned from what we've done, whether it was a success or a failure, you know, there are lessons to be learned. And what was really neat is a lot of these things we've touched on in other podcasts. So making this is almost like a great primer if you haven't listened to all 230 other episodes. A and lot if you of have. These, and if you have, we're wow. recapping. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. And we're recapping you as well. So it's cool that a lot of these things have come up in other podcasts, but now we're distilling it down into a concise 27 lessons. We'll, we'll go through them pretty rapid fire, even though I'm not usually good at being concise. And we'll go from there. And we're also doing this to celebrate the Paradise Pack. And if you're unfamiliar with the Paradise Pack, it is the world's best bundle of products to help people travel, live, and work anywhere in the world. And this year, it's running from May 31st through June 6th. I put it together with the help of a lot of amazing people, as well as uh, Jason Moore from Zero to Travel. And um, yeah, May 31st, 2016 to June 6th, 2016 is the only time you can get it. Yeah, I'm so excited about the Paradise Pack this year. You guys have some amazing products and collaborations in there. Yeah, so just really cool stuff. No matter what you want to do, whether you want to travel more, whether you want to uh, get a book published, whether you want to self-publish, whether you want to start a blog, all this stuff that fills in the how you can travel and how you can live and work anywhere. We try to get the best people on board to put in their products and they're in this year. So if you're listening right when this comes out, you can actually text EPOP Paradise. E-P-O-P, Paradise, all one word, to 33444. That'll put you on the newsletter and you'll get all the information about it. If you're listening anytime between May 31st and June 6th, make sure you head on over to theparadisepack.com. And if you're listening after that, still head over there, get your email because then we'll keep you up to date when we do another one. So let's jump in. 27 lessons learned from us from when we've traveled, lived, and worked all over the world for the last three years, 11 months. Number one. Number one is just start. So you have to begin somewhere, whether it's, you know, starting a business, you know, putting forth that first idea into something concrete or whether it's a destination that you've always dreamed of going to. You have to start either earning those miles, planning that trip or starting that business. Yeah. And it sounds cliche, but if you wait until it's perfect, um, it's never going to work. And so, you know, when we started four years ago, we started 
uh, not really on the right foot. It was, uh, you know, we were getting ready to start this location independent lifestyle. We, I left my computer in Singapore, then it got stuck in customs in India. Then Heather spilled coffee on it. Coming <laughs> that back, coffee comes back. Coming to back me. to that coffee. <laughs> uh, so in the first five months, I basically didn't have my laptop for three of them, and um, so not a great way to start. But we started. Uh, same with this podcast. Three years ago, we wanted to start a podcast. We had no idea how to do it. We just started. We're still not perfect. You know, it pains me sometimes when people listen to episodes one, two, and three. Hopefully, you're easier on me than I am on myself. But you just start and you have to do that, which brings us to number two. Don't be afraid to mess up because you will a lot. Absolutely. I mean, we make mistakes all the time. I mean, in fact, this is the third time we're trying to record this very podcast because it accidentally somehow didn't get recorded or deleted or whatever. And we make mistakes in travel all the time. Our travel mishaps. We recorded whole episodes about the mistakes we make when we travel. So it's okay to mess up. It will happen. And, you know, you just move on. That is very true. I didn't think we were going to mention the fact that we've done this three <laughs> times, but this is the third well, time we're recording Well, I didn't mention this. it the first two the times. First. <laughs> but it's true. We mess up and stuff happens and that's okay. You know, it's going to happen. But if you try to be perfect, perfection is the enemy, the biggest enemy of actually getting stuff done and achieving anything. So you can't wait until it's perfect. You have to just go with it and, um, and you're going to mess up and that's okay. Leading us to number three, something that we've learned, and I think we've, we, I saw some Facebook memories exactly two years ago. We were on a trip to Europe, and this was supposed to be the beginning of our slow travel lifestyle, uh, exactly two years ago to this day, and um, kind of with fits and starts, but, but we definitely travel slower now, and that brings us to lesson three. Number three, traveling slower is much easier to work. So this is something that we learned kind of the hard way where we went on this epic journey to Europe. We're like, okay, two months we're going to be in Europe and we'll just travel slow and we'll go to just a couple cities. But it ended up being like every three days we were kind of moving on to the next spot and it was causing us to not be able to work productively. And we didn't really get to just relax and enjoy the travel experience for what it was. Right. And we the mission was to slow travel. We even rented a place in Croatia for three weeks, which is going to be the longest we had ever you know, stayed in an era while we were traveling. And that led us to yeah, spending mean, half a week there and then a week down in another city in Croatia and then a couple days over in Bosnia and, Syria, and then went to Sarajevo and, and then we had friends visit. It was it was not the three weeks that we envisioned. No, definitely not. I mean, the world is big and there are so many places to see, but you're basically never going to be able to see it all. So you might as well enjoy what you're doing in the moment and kind of just try to relax and manage your time a little bit better, which leads us into number four, which is batch your work and travel. And this is only something we've started to try to do and, and have done fairly successfully in the last six to months to a year. And what we mean by that is that we, we were trying to do both at the same time. We were trying to work and be really productive and travel. And it, and it just wasn't working, even when we were slow traveling some. And so what we decided to do was, was to batch it and to say, all right, you know, maybe this week we're going to be focused on work. I'm going to try to get stuff done. That doesn't mean we're not going to go out to a cool restaurant or see something new at night. Or, but it, the focus was work. And then maybe try to do a few days where the focus wasn't work. And it was okay for us just to get out and travel. And maybe do no work. Maybe do a little work in the morning, whatever it is. So 
<laughs> what you're saying kind of sounds like a weekend. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um, as you know, as like an entrepreneur, sometimes you just keep working, you know, you're working on a project or something and you don't take a day off. And, you know, it's hard. You need to kind of balance your work life and your personal life. And that's something that, you know, we wanted to be more structured with batching our work. And whether it's in because we can have our own schedule, I mean, sometimes it is like two weeks of work and then a whole week off. But, you know, that's what's the great part about being you know, your own boss. Yeah. And there's no magic number. There's no, okay, we always do five days on, two days off or anything like that. Sometimes it's almost a whole month on and then a couple weeks off. Sometimes it's like two days on and two off. You know, you have to figure that out, but just go in with a mindset where you're saying, all right, this is predominantly work, you know, during this segment. And then this is predominantly travel. And when you slow travel, that allows you to do it a lot easier because you're going to spend more time in a place where you're not feeling like, oh, I'm missing out if I don't go and do something right now. Which leads us to number five, and that's be open to opportunities, both in travel and business, and and learn to say yes more. Definitely. So there have been times when we've had an opportunity presented to us and we've discussed it or Travis has said, Hey, do you think that I should like go to this conference? Should I go to this, you know, small mastermind that this really great person is putting on? He's personally asked me to come. And I'm like, Yes, you should definitely do that. You know, it's just say yes to these opportunities that come into your life, whether it's business, like I just mentioned, or whether it's traveling, you know, you have an opportunity to go on a great trip. Yeah. Your friend's like, oh, you know, we should just go here. Let's do it. You know, and and not saying that you can always do it. And there's going to be times we're going to get to this next point, which is uh, a counterpoint to this. But if it seems like it's an opportunity that's going to work and you feel strongly about it, you know, there are times you have to just be like, yep, I'm going to do it and go for it. And whether that's travel or business, we've done that. In times we just said, all right, we're going to go for it, and it's worked out, and uh, you don't even know how it's going to work no, out. No, you don't know how it's going to work out, but you don't think about that. You say yes, and you make it work, and then after it's completed, it, like you think back, and it's just so amazing, the experience Yeah, you can't you imagine had. having said no to it. And that brings us to number six, though, is that sometimes you have to set limits and be able to say no. And there, uh, for me, this, this kind of uh, brings it home in two ways. One setting hard limits for like a stop time. And I was, you know, I was never good at that. I'd be working till 8, 9, 10 p.m., things like that. You know, that's the tough part about traveling, living and work anywhere, being your own boss, stuff like that is no one's telling you when to come in and when to stop. And um, I've had to say, all right, I have a, you know, it's not always the same time and do as I say, not as I always do, but trying to be, all right, I'm done by five or I'm done by six or whatever it is. So I don't keep working at night. So be able to stop and set limits. But also when you're out, if you are, working while you're traveling there's you know and you're around people who are just traveling they're gonna be like oh we got to go to this awesome place we got to do this we got to do that and they're gonna want to do things every day because when you're just a traveler you can do that that's the point we've had to have time where we said no i'm sorry like we have to get this done and um, that's not easy to do. Typically, it's easier no, to say yes to that not. and go do the fun stuff. Definitely not. Even when we batch work and we work really hard so that we don't have to work when we're traveling, there's still some things that we have to do. I would say that even if we're on a trip, it's more like, you know, we've done a lot of work and it's it's when we're on the trip, maybe we have to do 20% of what we normally do. So there's still some work to be done. And, you know, we were in Thailand one time where we were with, you know, some of our closest friends and Trav's parents, and they were all going to an elephant preserve. And we had to get work done that day. I mean, there was, we had like a deadline if we didn't get the video in in time. So we 
just stayed back at the hotel and we literally worked that whole day. I mean, that was like a 12 hour day, I feel like yeah, that we and, put in. But because of that, we won a competition to host our own TV show in Switzerland and it was great. But yes, it was a hard decision. We didn't want to say no, but we had to. And people and people will prod you like, no, 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 come on, just do this. You have to be able to say no. Um, number seven is to surround yourself with others who are doing it. So a lot of times people want to do something crazy. They want to lead this location independent lifestyle, but other people in their normal life are like, well, are you crazy? Like, what does that even mean? They don't understand it. We have people in our lives like that. It's not a bad thing. They just, that's not their thing or they don't understand what you mean. You have to surround yourselves with other people who are either leading this location-independent lifestyle or who are entrepreneur or any th- or travelers, whatever it is that you're trying to do, because it's just going to keep spurring you on to do more. Yeah, you need a support system. You need a community. And it's it's different than having like dinner out with your friends. You know, if this is a lifestyle choice that you're making, whether it's to become an entrepreneur or to become like a really frequent traveler, you need to be around people who understand that because it can be isolating, especially, you know, if you are becoming an entrepreneur and you're doing it without anyone else around you. You're not going into an office. You don't have coworkers. So you definitely need to be around other people who are doing the same type of things. And when we saw things really start to take off was, you know, for the first two years I was doing it all on my own. The only person I was, could talk to about it was, was Heather. Like, you know, uh, bless you, Heather, for putting <laughs> up with it. But, you know, would get sick of it and just be like, oh my gosh, like this, he has to get other people to talk to. And then about two years in, I started to find people. And, uh, and that's not only helped our business life get you know much better financially but also it's more enjoyable because now you're sharing ideas and doing stuff with other people and it's more fun and you can help with them with their stuff and they can mm-hmm. help you with your stuff it, it's a not just a better lifestyle because oh yeah stuff is growing yeah, it's, it's just a better it's emotionally lifestyle. it's yeah. better like your mental health is better because you're talking to other people they're getting excited about what you're doing they're supporting you and you know one of the ways that we did this leads us right into number eight which is to go to conferences and events and this is something that Trav really did a lot, especially in the first couple of years to meet other people. And I was like, all right, cool. I mean, I'm probably not going to go to the event, but I don't mind if you do. And he was really, he felt strongly about doing this. Well, because you meet, we, I met people who I didn't know would become my really good friends and or business partners like Jason over at Zero to Travel. And, you know, you just go and you, if you go to events, you're going to meet people who are like-minded because they're there as well for that same reason. And so if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, it sounds great. I'd love to surround myself with people who are doing it, but I don't know how, you know, start seeking out events that resonate with you. One for me, and, and this goes into number nine then, is invest in yourself, was a World Domination Summit. I remember I was going to go to the World Domination Summit in 2013. And this is when, you know, we, we were struggling through, we had our website, but we were making a lot of money. I remember the World Domination Summit was cost cost $500, which is a steal for a conference like that. And it's an amazing event. I would tell anyone who can to go knowing that now, but at that point I was like, 500 bucks, like that's a big chunk of change for me to spend to go to this conference. Like, what am I really going to get out of it? You know, and I went thinking I would maybe get something from the speakers. Well, what I got out of it was a business partner and probably 12 really close friends who have helped me infinitely as we've continued down this um, path of this lifestyle. So, you know, investing yourself, you know, rule number nine, there's a lot of ways to do that, but yeah, it's really important and it's really helped us. It is important. And it's something that took us a few years to learn. I mean, as Travis mentioned, he invested the $500 to go to a conference, but sometimes you have bigger decisions to make and it's, it's good to know where you stand with that. You know, you don't have to go out the first month of your new 
business venture and spend like five grand investing in equipment, you know, a new computer or camera, whatever it is that you need. But you can slowly like build up to that and then learn when it's important to invest in yourself, whether it's with equipment or whether it's with a business coach or something big like that, because you will need more support the further you get along. And typically it is that educational component, learning something, going to a conference, meeting people, networking, like that is going to pay you such big dividends on what you pay into it versus the new equipment and the new website and stuff like that's important as well. But I've always found that it's like when you invest in yourself educationally, that's where you really see things start to go. Um, Rule number 10 is don't become paralyzed by analysis. There is the big World Wide Web out there. And sometimes you can just get lost in the stream of social media or like another blog that you follow or just anything BuzzFeed for heaven's sake. And it's hard because then you're overwhelmed by all this information and all these other people doing the things that you want to be doing or I don't know, even if it's not something that you want to be doing, you're still you get sucked in and, and sometimes it's hard to remove yourself from that. Yeah. And if you sit back and you just think, you know, what button color should this be? And you read all these articles about everything that you should be doing. What that's going to do is make you not do it. So I, I took what I called an information fast. And I had read about online business and I read about travel and writing blogs and stuff like that. And I knew it all. And so I said, okay, now I got to just stop reading it and actually do it. And I wish I had done that earlier. And so I still follow a few people, but you don't want to become paralyzed by analyzing everything. It goes back to point number one, where we say, just get started. You know, you can know everything in the world. And if you don't implement it, you're never going to get anywhere. So don't let that paralyze you. Yeah. And, and you don't need to compare yourself to other people, which brings us right in to number 11. Use others who are bigger than you as motivation, not as deflation. So chances are whatever it is that your new venture will be, someone's probably already done it or done something similar to it. And you could start following those people, you know, following their blog, following their work. And it can be, you know, for me, sometimes I'm just like, well, I'm never going to be as good as this person or as big as this person. But for me, this is a hard point to do. But it is important to use it as motivation and not to compare yourself to them in a negative way. And I think we all do this in all facets of life. There's always going to be people who have traveled to more places than you. There's always going to be people who have bigger blogs and your bigger podcasts and all that. And if you if you compare yourself to them and you use it as a measuring stick, chances are there's you're going to come up short and you're going to feel bad about it. And that's going to lead you to then saying to just giving up or, or not doing as, as well as you can. But if you use it as motivation, say, well, okay, okay, you know what? They were where I was once too, because everyone was. That can then fuel the fire to say, you know, I want to get here. I remember a blog that I used to read where it said, you know, he had how many email subscribers he had on his blog. And uh, a good friend of mine, Steve from Nerd Fitness, and it said, I remember when I first started reading, it said 12,000 email subscribers. And I just thought, if I can ever get to that, my life will be complete. And now here we are, you know, on the cusp of, we actually probably have over 12,000 email subscribers. And now he has 300,000, right? But like, I didn't get deflated because I was just starting. I was like, all right, that's what I want to shoot for. And so it helps you set those goals. And and that then again, these kind of go hand in hand with each other. And that leads us to number 12, which is find models that you like, but don't be afraid to be yourself. Absolutely. So you, it's great to look at other people's work and 
you know, say, I like this about their blog or I like this about their business model. But then you do need to have something that, that speaks to you. And it's good to do something that's unique, that sets you apart from other people, because that's why people will come and read your blog or listen to your podcast or follow your Instagram. Yeah, or buy your product or, or whatever product. it is. Because, you know, they resonate with you and something about you sets you apart from everyone else out there. And I always think of this, not just in a business sense, but this is also in travel. You know, you want to, everyone wants recommendations. And so before we go to a place, we always ask me, well, where should we go? What should we do? This and that. And then likewise, people are asking us and we love giving recommendations as well, but you don't want to follow in their footsteps 100%, right? You want to find your own hidden gems. You want to take those times where you just wander down that back alley that no one has told you about, hopefully during the day and it's not too dark and you're not in Cape Town, but you <laughs> wander down those back alleys and you just find your own stuff. So it, you know, you could think of it in that way as well. It's like, yes, you're going to use someone as a roadmap, but you have to be yourself. You have to be true to yourself and what, what your personality is and the way you present stuff, because that's why people are going to resonate with you. And there's enough fish in the sea that, you know, it's not really competition. This isn't a point, but it's kind of a sub point. It's not always competition. Like you don't want to be competing with that person who's a model that, that you like, you know, it's like there, people are going to come to you because they like the way you are at some point. They're going to come to our person maybe as well. So don't be afraid to be yourself. Number 13, and this is important. Something I struggle with. <laughs> be organized. Now, this can be for your home life, your work life, or your travel life. I mean, if you're organized, then your Then you life... have those tickets when you're on a train between Czech Republic and Germany. You don't have to pay four different times because you're organized. Yes. And, you know, if your desk is organized and if your work life is organized and your space is organized, you feel mentally at peace. You have the freedom to... Do the things that you want to accomplish. And organization, I always thought, you know, I want to be location independent because I can be spontaneous and I can do whatever I want whenever I want. That's the dream. What we found is if you're like that and you're so scattered, you're never enjoying any parts of it. And that goes back with batching travel and work as well. But, you know, you're trying to do all these things and you're felt pulled in a lot of di different directions. It's stressful. It's stressful. Exactly. And organization leads to freedom. Like the more organized we are, if we say, all right, by the end of this week, we're going to have this, this, and this done, and we work towards it, then we can say, all right, we're going off for three days and we're not worrying about it. So this organization in with big picture stuff and with little picture stuff leads to spontaneity, which sounds totally counterintuitive. It does, but, it does. but if you feel good about what you've accomplished because you're organized and you wake up one morning and it's 85 degrees and sunny and you want to bike from Phoenixville to Philadelphia, you can because you know that you've accomplished enough, you know, the previous days because you were organized. And Heather is referring <laughs> to what I did the last two, two times last week. I felt good and organized out there. I'm like, I'm going for a 30 mile bike ride. And I felt like I could do it and get out and enjoy it because I was organized. I knew what had to be done. And I said, all right, I can put that off or this is already finished. And that kind of plays right into 15, uh, lesson number 15, or excuse me, 14, is to set realistic timeframes and stick to them. So you don't want to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to have 400 podcast episodes recorded and we're going to be do it by next week. It's like, well, no, you're not. There's no way you can ever hit that. But set realistic timeframes, but make sure that you stick to them. And this is... This can be really hard. And this happened with our, like the very first 
product that I ever put out, the Ultimate Guide to Frequent Flyer Miles. I said October, whatever the date was. I'll have to look it up at some point. Hath, we can celebrate it, but a <laughs> um, little mini celebration. But October, um, you know, let's say 15th at noon, people were going to be able to buy it. And I told everyone on my email list about it. And so up to 11.59 a.m., you know, five minutes before, I was making edits. Heather was proofreading all this stuff. I was worried. I'm like, I can't put this out. I can't put this out. It's not ready. But I had already told people I needed to do it. And so it went out. Yeah. And and it worked. And, you know, it was the first thing you did. And it was the first step into so many other business ventures or products that you ended up putting out and you needed to do it. You needed to just start. And sure enough, even though Heather proofread it and we had like 20 friends proofreading it and I had been changing it for months, you know, it went out and there was some spelling mistakes and maybe a period was wrong and people, you know, would tell me about it, but they loved the guide. And so it was okay that there were some mistakes. Again, going back to that, not trying to be perfect, it was okay. But I had to set a realistic time frame, and we had to get it out. And if I didn't tell other people I was going to do it, by noon on that day, I would still be editing to this day. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing with setting realistic timeframes, this goes for travel too. If you, you know, touch down in a new location and you're like, okay, we're going to do all this stuff in three days, you're not probably going to do so much in three days. And if you do, you're going to be really exhausted. So it's good to be realistic about your travel timeframes as well so that you can really enjoy the experience and not try to put too much in or too many destinations in. And just Why are you smiling at me? <laughs> just enjoy it for, for what it is and be realistic about what you're going to be able to do. You're not going to give yourself time to have those authentic kind of spontaneous moments either if you're jam-packing everything. And so be realistic with your travel timeframes, with your work timeframes. And I love this quote, probably going to butcher it, but you know, you, you never get as done, you never get done as much in a day as you think you can, but you always get done more in a year. And uh, I, I did butcher the quote, but the idea is that every day you might not feel like you got some accomplished, but if you look at what you were doing one year ago, um, it's amazing the stuff that you can get done. So, so think of it in the big picture way. And I think that'll help you out as well. And speak about not like moving on to the next destination or the newest project right away. Lesson 15 is resist the pull of shiny object syndrome. Focus on one thing and make sure to give it a fair chance. A shiny object syndrome. Now, I believe this is something, a phrase that you coined yourself. Well, I've heard it Have used heard by it? other okay. people, but I, I use it a lot because it makes so much sense to me. This is Travis to a T, a capital T. Shiny Object Syndrome, SOS. He has always had a million ideas and thoughts and plans running through his head. Even when we were back in college, I've known Trav for 12, 13 years now, and he's always ready to move on to the next thing. He's. It's really hard for Travis to, you know... Be, like make that big commitment to one thing. Yeah, it is. And, and that's why I'm giving this lesson to you and to myself. And it's the idea that, yes, it's always fun to start a new project and it's exciting and enticing. And you always want to move on to this and like, oh, look at that shiny object over there. Oh, let's, let's start this and let's start this and let's start this. It's not always fun or sexy to follow through, but that's where things really start going. And, and we've seen that with this podcast as well. Um, you know, I, after doing the podcast, I, I then want to start video series and we did a few videos, but you know, we want to jump into something else. But what we saw, and this dovetails into point 16, which is consistency is key, is that you only get better at stuff and you only improve and, and all that kind of stuff is when you don't jump on to the next thing, but you continue to work at one thing and give it a fair chance. 
and be consistent with it. And that's what we've been with the podcast over the last three years. We've recorded and put out an episode once a week for three whole years, and we have gotten much better at it, hopefully. Definitely. So make sure that you resist that pull of shiny objects and give everything a fair shake. Allow yourself to focus on it. And, and even when it gets hard, you know, keep following through. That doesn't mean you're not going to drop it or move on to something eventually, but don't do it at the drop of a hat the very first time. We're like, oh, this is hard or this is boring because, hey, newsflash, even this type of lifestyle and doing stuff on your own, it's going to get boring at times. And on top of that, as we already mentioned, number 16, consistency is key. Being consistent is what's going to get you further. Number 17, and this is something that I started doing about two and a half years ago, and I've since kind of, well, I won't say I passed it on to Heather. <laughs> you did pass it on to me. I mean, number 17 is something that has helped me infinitely in my work life because I tend to go down that rabbit hole of, you know, the internet. And Travis told me this, which is number 17, set a timer with no distractions. And you could start with 20 minutes even. So I take out my iPhone, I set it for 20 minutes and I sit there and I focus. I put on music. I don't answer text messages. I don't go on any websites. I just do what my goal was to set out, you know, whether it's writing, whether it's, you know, working on something on, on the blog or the website. It's so incredible what this 20 you're, minute you're rule is. You're basically tricking your mind. You trick your mind. You know, there's, and you know it's a trick, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely days where you can't focus. I mean, no one is productive all the time or super focused or laser focused. In fact, most people aren't most of the time. But in order to trick yourself, you say, all right, I'm, and you know, there's there's days where it's like, then it's noon and you haven't done anything and you're like, I have to get this done. Or, you know, you feel really uneasy. Set a timer. 20 minutes and say, I'm going to work for 20 minutes. Everyone could do 20 minutes. And your mind thinks, yeah, 20 minutes, no big deal. And at the end of 20 minutes, if you still haven't gotten stuff done, you're allowed to like schluff off. I don't yeah. know if that's a word. Schluff off. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to just say, up. I'm out of here. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but more often than not, you know, after the 20 minutes, I'm in the zone. You know, it's work to trick my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm really rolling with this stuff. And, you know, I'm going to keep on going. So it jump starts you if you need that little extra push. And as Travis said, if it's not working after 20 minutes, all right, move on to the next thing. Right. And that's fine. And sometimes that that has to happen. But 20... 20 minutes is some magical number. I don't know why it works, but it's short enough that it allows you to be like, yeah, I can do anything for 20 minutes. And it usually gets you into the mindset where then you keep going. But if you don't, lesson number 18, a really important lesson is give yourself permission to say, screw it. Or schluff off. Or schluff off. <laughs> give yourself permission to schluff off. And this means if, you know, this works with a 20 minute rule after 20 minutes, if it's just not working, fine. You gave it a fair shot. Go off. This also can be for the big picture stuff. You know, we said we batch travel and work, but there are times where it's a work day or we're in the work month or what, you know, whatever it is, we're in, we're in that band where we're like, this is work. And an opportunity comes up that's just too good to pass off. And you say, okay, the reason I am living this lifestyle is because I can at times say, screw it. I'm going to do this. Maybe you're sitting there in Bali and the sun comes out and you're supposed to be working and it's been raining for three straight weeks like it was for us. And the sun comes out and we just thought, you know, we really got to get this done. But why? What's the point of this life? If we're here in Bali, the sun's out and we're sitting um, at our laptops and we hop on a motorbike and we go booking through these rice paddies and we find these crazy little towns and we have one of the best travel days we've ever had because we allowed ourselves to be able to say, screw it. And um, that encompasses a lot of these other lessons of like being organized enough to allow yourself that space as well. 
Absolutely. Now, number 19 is a rule that you like to follow. And I think that it really helps us on those days when we're traveling and things are not going one, well. one of my first guests <laughs> on the podcast, Chris Gillibo, who uh, is the person who founded the World Domination Summit, which we referenced a little earlier, and a great guy. And a lot of people have probably read his stuff. You know, he's one of these people, lifestyle design, location independent people from the very beginning. Um, a really good guy. And he said that in travel, he had a rule that was called the $10 rule. And I thought, well, what the heck's a $10 rule? And he's basically said, if something is going to make his life easier, more convenient, better, and it's under $10, he doesn't even ask like himself, oh, should I do this? It's just a given. Yep, I'm going to do it. So if it's under $10, you can do it. So the $10 rule. Now, if it was my rule, it would probably be a little more. Yeah, Heather would be adding a zero (laughs) onto the end and call it the $100 rule. But I think, and again, it doesn't have to be 10 bucks for you. It could be five if you're traveling on more budget. It could be two. It could be two. It could be more. It could be 20. It could be 50, whatever it is. But I think it is important to actually set a number beforehand because then it's like, it's a clear demarcation. It is. And it's like, okay, well, this is the the money that I've already decided can go to something else. And then you don't feel you don't get that rage that you get when you, a taxi driver you know totally just gives you the wrong price and yeah back to rain in southeast asia this seems to come up a lot we were i could think of a very specific time where if i knew the 10 dollar rule our life would have been much better <laughs> and it, we were in penang malaysia and it was pouring rain and these taxi drivers i know were ripping us off and you know they wanted like 8 dollars to drive us back to the hotel and i would Eight not whole I dollars. Would not do it on principle and instead we walked through the rain for an hour both of us were yeah. miserable and, when we and got and when back. i say rage i mean travis like doesn't have a lot of rage but he gets really irritated and upset and then he just like walks off and you know then he's really mad and, and steaming it, and then i'm irritated i'm like we could have just spent the eight dollars yeah so for your mental health for your mental health <laughs> ten dollar rule whether that's a pack of cards in thailand that cost you again eight dollars and i was mad at that but i thought this was after i knew the ten dollar rule and i thought okay whatever it's a pack of playing cards it's eight bucks i don't know why it costs eight times more than a meal here in thailand but whatever it's under 10 bucks and because we had a great can. time playing cards on the beach <laughs> yeah. so ten dollar rule five dollar rule twenty dollar rule whatever it is hundred dollar rule hundred dollar rule, <laughs> rule set a rule and go with it number 20 and we've said this one before because i think it's really important and that is to always book your first night of accommodation before arriving at your destination. We didn't always do this. It led to some interesting times. It led to some interesting slash bad times. The amount of anxiety I would have when we would land somewhere and have to get in an overpriced said taxi and then try to find somewhere to sleep for the night. Oh, it just didn't. It wasn't it wasn't good for me, especially when you're rolling into a place at like eight or nine p.m. and you don't have anywhere. to Yeah, And it's a new city. and Maybe you've never been there before. So definitely. I mean, maybe everyone who's listening to this books like every single night of their trip before they leave. I doubt that. We've got some pretty mellow. Take it as it comes. Free flowing people Um, listening as well. Anyway, at least book the first night because that way you can, you know, have have the peace of mind. And then the next day, like sometimes it's nice to only have one night booked because then you can explore the next day and kind of choose where you want to stay from on the ground at your location, which we find to be pretty fun because you never know what part of town can be like a cool spot that you will like. Right. Just
just you don't want to do it when you just get in, especially yeah. if you're getting in in the evening or the night. So always book uh, first night of accommodation before getting there. We've learned that the hard way. Um, 21, if you're working from the road, sometimes a few extra dollars are worth it. And this can be whether you're working from the road or whether you're just simply traveling. Can I just interject and say that the past two numbers have been about spending more money? Uh, Travis. Well, the what, pa- yeah, the past three happening? numbers because the ten dollar rule as well. Oh I mean, yeah. So really, yeah. <laughs> I I mean, this is going to lead us to number twenty two. First, we'll touch on twenty one. If you're working for the road, sometimes a few extra dollars are worth it. Even if you're not working, sometimes it's just to be comfortable. It's worth it to spend more money. And it used to be the the cheapest was the best for me, and the more budget, the yeah, better. Yeah, the cheapest was the best for Trav. <laughs> yeah, and Heather was dragged along. But now it's like you know maybe there's a thirty dollar night place that's going to make our time fantastic and there's a $20 night place that's going to be just okay. You know, it might be worth it to spend the 10 extra bucks. And again, we're talking in generalities that's cheap in Southeast Asia, yeah, you know, but, but in Europe, you know, maybe it's a difference of 90 to 150. But or sometimes it's just worth it. And especially we found it for working. You know, you want to have a place you're comfortable with. You want to have a place with good Wi-Fi. Sometimes it makes sense to spend that extra money because the stuff you're getting done and how productive you're being, if you are traveling, living and working, Around the world, maybe you're renting an apartment for a month and you have the difference between a $1,000 apartment and a $1,300 one. Well, listen, you might be able to be $300 more productive if you're in a better place. Yeah, I have to say an example here that was such an amazing experience for us. And I don't know if you know, which I'm I have no idea what you're talking about. So we went to Berlin and we rented an apartment through Airbnb and we were going with another couple. And, you know, so we wanted to have two rooms and... Because we knew we were splitting with another couple, we're like, okay, well, we can spend a little bit more money. So we ended up getting an apartment that was maybe like a hundred or hundred fifty dollars more than we would normally spend. But I'm telling you, not what? per night, but over no, no, over, over the five yeah days over the or couple whatever. days. And you know, we were splitting it. And we had the best time because it was in the coolest neighborhood of Berlin. It was like so happening. Obviously, the weather was great, too. So that didn't hurt. But I just remember that exact instance being like we could have gotten a place that was like a little bit cheaper over the course of five days. But this experience was one of the best we've ever had. And it's because of the location. The apartment was cute. It was clean. And... It, it just, just was, was the worth best it. time. And it was worth it, which brings us to number 22. It's okay that your travel style changes. And this has definitely changed. And we recorded a whole podcast about this. I think it's called uh, Trav Packing, How Our Travel Styles <laughs> Changed Over Two Years or whatever it is. Go listen to that if you want a more in-depth look. But it's okay. I used to think, hey, cheapest is better. I'm a backpacker. This has to be, you know, we have to do everything and all the time. But what we've come up with is this kind of little slogan that, you know, it's it's the sweet spot between cost, convenience, and comfort. It's and you know maybe when you start out you're t- you're tending to be on the low end of that like the the sweet spot is mostly cost because you have to do it cheaper but you know then you make more money or you have more money to travel or you just or you found that you're more productive if you spend more money so it's it is and it and it's constantly evolving for us over time and that's okay and i've had to learn to be okay with that, which seems weird, but now I am, you know, and I'm not saying we go out and, oh, we're going to spend $600 on the fancy no, hotels. No, we definitely don't do that. But <laughs> it, it's figuring out where that sweet spot lies. Definitely. And you've helped me push my boundaries towards the, uh, mm. like, go from the lower end towards maybe now the mm. middle end. Yeah, that's very nice. A happy wife equals a happy life, right? It's called compromise. <laughs> Number 23, try to unplug when possible. A digital detox. This is like a trending pattern, you know, on vacations, and you'll read about digital detoxes, but it's important to step away from your iPhone or your 
Galaxy tablet or whatever it is that you have and just unplug so that you can live in the moment and not have to worry about posting it on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram. Right. And this is for people both who are working around the world, taking a digital detox. I did this one most recently when I was in Israel. And there's another podcast where I, I go into that in depth of, of why it was the best 10 days of travel I've had in a long time. But if you're Maybe wor- it's because I wasn't with you. That's not why. It's because <laughs> I didn't have my laptop and I also didn't have my phone. And it was a complete digital detox and it was needed. And um, it wasn't actually planned. So that, that story's um, in that podcast. But you know, if you're working from the road, we talked about batching travel and work, um, but maybe a full digital detox is needed. But it's not just people who are working from the road. It's also people, who, as on you vacation. mentioned, on vacation. Sure. Like your day-to-day, you're going on vacation to get away from your day-to-day, to get away maybe from your office. And if you're on a computer, then don't be spending your whole vacation on your tablet, on your computer. And again, we're speaking to ourselves. We're not saying we do this perfect, <laughs> but... Give yourself some time to unplug. And maybe that is literally start with like one afternoon where you're like, I will not be on my phone. I'm going to leave my phone in the room and I'm going to go off and I'm going to travel and I'm not even going to take pictures or anything like that with my phone. Just get away from it for for a day or maybe do it for a week. It, it's really, really rewarding for sure. So try to unplug when possible and you're going to have to force yourself to do it. Because if you're like it's, us, it's, it's hard tethered to, to break, your hand. Yeah, it's hard to break that habit. Number 24, if you don't have good internet, don't force it. Don't try to force it. We have done this on many trips, like recent, well, not recently, I guess, but last year when we were in Malaysia and, or not Malaysia, sorry, Myanmar, Myanmar. And they don't really have internet in Myanmar. No, believe but it or not, some, there's not real internet. No, but some of the hotels we were staying at or the guest houses or whatever, they would have like two bars of internet. We're like, okay, we've got internet. Let's like try to download a book on our Kindle. Let's respond to email. Let's get out this whatever. And, you know, we would sit there and we would try and we would like hit refresh or we would connect and disconnect. And it just, it didn't work. And, and it made I, us irritated. And the first day, our first full day there, I remember trying for like four or five hours to get on the internet to try to do some work. And it just, it, yeah, it wasn't like that it didn't exist. It, it kind of teased you yeah, like you thought it existed, worse. but then nothing would really work. And then it might, you could send like one, it ended up probably ratio of like one email an hour, you know, but, and you're just getting frustrated. It's like, I should have just stepped away and said, all right, I don't have internet. Who cares? Stop trying to force it. And uh, I like to do this on planes because this also allows you to open up um, this going back with unplugging kind of go hand in hand because it allows you to be creative. A lot of times when you're doing these things online, you're entering emails, you're doing all this, you're bombarded with stuff. Step away with a digital detox or if the internet's not good, step away and allow it to be creative. We're not saying don't do work, but allow your creativity to flow. And I do this in airplanes. I never buy the um, internet on airplanes because I like to be able to write or do something where... You I, if I had the internet, I might yeah, not do it. Yeah, that you wouldn't normally do. So take that as an opportunity and don't uh, don't freak out for like five hours <laughs> and then say, I can't believe I sat here in Myanmar at my doorstep on my first day and I tried to get internet for five hours. Come on, man. Yeah, seriously. What were you thinking? I, um, I <laughs> wish I had had someone tell me his 27 lessons before yeah. that. Hmm, I wonder if your wife tried to tell you any of those lessons. I don't know. <laughs> Number 25, focus on ways to save money. But don't forget to focus on ways to make money as well. Obviously, a lot of what we teach here is to, you know, how to travel with frequent fire miles and how to do it on a budget and to get good value and all that, whether, you know, and again, find that sweet spot. 
So that's great because you don't want to get ripped off. And the more money you save, the more money you have to travel. But don't forget that there are a lot of ways to make money. And I think that people do forget that. Like they get so into saving money that they don't even see the opportunities out there. And so if you can do both, if you save money when you travel by being smart and and travel hacking, all that, and then you also find a way to make money while you're traveling or living somewhere or things like that, which we'll kind of get into in the next point. I mean, then you have the best of both worlds. And that's what we've been thankfully able to do. We, we, we save money when we travel. We don't go you know, off the deep end spending money, but we also are now able to live a lifestyle where we make money from anywhere. And then that allows us to, to lead the life that we want. Yeah, I mean, there's not only one way with our podcast and with our blog and with all these things. I mean, we have a lot of different income streams and it's sometimes confusing actually because i'm like okay wait what's, i just had to do taxes <laughs> and oh what's my happening gosh. but you know if we only had one like narrow-minded idea of how to make money then we probably wouldn't be able to be full-time yeah. travelers <laughs> and, and a lot of entrepreneurs whether location independent or not but especially a lot of location independent entrepreneurs and they're making monies a lot of uh, monies they're making money <laughs> making money making monies they're making money a lot of ways and they're trying different things and it's not one thing uh you know most people i talk to it's like four five six seven different ways yeah. not saying they're all pulling in a lot but you you're diversified and that's yeah kind of on purpose but kind of just because you're trying a lot of different things and <laughs> yeah. seeing what works which is exactly what number 26 is which is be creative with ways to make money and especially if you're someone who's traveling, here's a great way that's just really opened up the world to a lot of people in the last four or five years. You know, when you're traveling, you think, okay, if I don't have, if I have a job at home and I'm not being location pen, I don't have a location pen job, well, I can't make money. Well, guess what? Yeah, you can. You can rent out your house. And we've just started doing this. We've done a podcast about this. If you want to listen to it about, you know, what our experience has been as Airbnb um, hosts. So when we go away, we rent our house out to people on Airbnb. And so here we are traveling, spending money on accommodations. And usually the tab is picked up for that by renting our own home out where we live. And sometimes we're actually making money above what we're spending when we're traveling simply by renting our house out. And if we didn't, it would sit there vacant. Yeah, it's definitely allowed us to be a little less stressed out when we're traveling. So if you can think of these creative ways, then you can travel more and you can have less stress. I mean, that's a win-win. Yeah. And you don't have to own your home to Airbnb it. Some people rent and they're allowed to do it. And that's just a really good example of a unique way that didn't kind of, I mean, existed, but it didn't exist in the mainstream consciousness consciousness uh, before that. Another cool way, if you're just someone who's traveling through, off, you know, and you're going to be somewhere when you're traveling. So offer English lessons. Start tutoring people on the side. You know, like that's really an easy, cool way that people who travel through Southeast Asia a lot of times can pick up some extra money. And there's thousands of ways. And a lot of them we talk about in, in the Paradise Pack because people are making money literally 20 different ways. We have 20 people. They're all making money 20 different ways. And so you just kind of see what fits with you. Um, and, and it's there's a lot of creative ways to do that. And that, that brings us to our last point. And I don't want to say the most important point, but kind of one that brings it all home. Absolutely. And this is something that Travis does so well, I think at least. I have always been a very curious yes. kid, much to the detriment of my mom and <laughs> sometimes even Heather. Yeah, I mean, she said to me yesterday, do you realize how many questions you asked oh in the last goodness. five minutes? And they're always they're mostly rhetorical. I don't know the answers to these questions. He just asks probably 100 questions a day. But this is number 27, if you're wondering, and that is to be a sponge. Yeah, listen to everyone, ask questions, be inquisitive, 
listen to what they have to say, take their advice like to heart. Don't be quick to shut it off, but then make sure the final decision is what you want. And, you know, it can be summed up with like, be receptive to everyone's ideas, but eventually you have to go with your gut. And this is way easier said than done. We've listened to a lot of people, you know, especially when you're starting out. And I've done some stuff that people have suggested and they've done it in it's not like they did it on purpose, but you know, it just didn't work out for us as well as we thought. And then we've, we've changed courses, but you want the final decision to, to be what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And this, this is something that I struggle with a little bit because uh, you know, I try to emulate Travis when it comes to being a sponge and listening to other people, but I, but you're not as annoying. <laughs> I also don't like to take other people's advice. I'm just, I get very defensive. I am that type of personality that's like, I know what I'm doing. You don't need to tell me what to do, but that doesn't always work because I don't always know what I'm doing and I do need help or I do need the advice of other people. So it is important to just be open-minded and like listen to everyone's opinion. And then like Travis said, maybe you decide in the end, well, you definitely decide in the end what's right for you and what choices you should Yeah, make. and maybe it's what they say and maybe it's a combination of what a bunch of people say and maybe it's your own thought on it and that's totally fine but you're not going to be able to make that decision if you're closing people out and you're not listening to what they say and you're also not going to be able to make that decision if you don't go all the way back to number one which is our you know the kind of the two bookends and that's just start and if you don't ever start and you don't ever just say i'm going to do it even if it's not perfect you're never even going to get to the point where you have to make a decision because you're not going to have anything to make a decision on so um, there you go. They all kind of tie in together. But those are the 27 lessons that we've learned from traveling, living and working around the world for coming up on four years. And it's it's pretty amazing the lifestyle that we get to lead. We know we're very blessed. We know we're very lucky. Um, and I, I don't like to term lucky in that, oh, we fell into it, but lucky in that we are able to do it and that we've we've been able to figure it out. And we're still figuring it out as we go. So I can't thank Heather enough for putting up with me over the last four years and my craziness and for being part of the journey with me. And I think that's really important. Well, I can't thank you enough for starting the journey because you are the one who literally started Extra Pack of Peanuts and started the podcast. And I, I came on board. You know, I was on board from the beginning, but I started working together with you on it. And, you know, I yeah. just said I if don't was, want yeah. someone to tell us where to live. I want to be location independent. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I didn't know it was a term. How are we going to do it? And uh, we've just told you kind of parts of how we've done it and the lessons that we've learned. So I hope you can take these, implement them in your life, whether you are just traveling, whether you want to travel, live and work anywhere, whatever it is you want to do, take some of these lessons uh, to heart and implement them for yourself. You can get the, all the show notes to this show at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash 230. That's 230. This is episode 230. Also, if you are interested in building this lifestyle, the best advice I can give you is to check out the Paradise Pack. Yes, I put the Paradise Pack together, but the reason I feel so confident in it is that the people inside of it, the 20 plus people that we have as contributors are some of the best people in the world at their various things, whether it's people who have been published by Penguin and Random House and, and know how to get book deals, whether it's people who make a ton of money off selling stuff on, on Amazon, all these different facets of how to make money and travel, live and work anywhere in the world are in the Paradise Pack. So if you want more information about that, you can text EPOP Paradise. That's E-P-O-P Paradise, all one word, to 33444. That'll get you on the email newsletter list. Um, you can also go to theparadisepack.com. And don't forget, it's May 31st through June 6th, 2016. And after that, it's gone forever. So if you interested in that, make sure you check that out during that time because I cannot let anyone grab a Paradise Pack after that. Those are the rules. I make the rules. 
but I can't break the rules in this case. Um, <laughs> so text EPOP Paradise to 33444. Don't forget, if you're looking for a travel backpack, um, whether you're just traveling or you are traveling, living, and working anywhere in the world, check out Tortuga Backpacks. They're the ones that I've had with me for the last two and a half years. TortugaBackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. I'll get you 10% off your entire order. And wow, 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 27 lessons, four years of memories. Pretty crazy, amazing stuff. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Who would have thought when that laptop got left in Singapore, <laughs> it was just the beginning of a bunch of mishaps that would end up with us sitting here telling you what we what we have done. So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, thank you for the support. Thank you for making us the number one rated podcast on iTunes. And until next time. Happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.